So if I was starting today as a new solo, I would do entrepreneurial aspect. Change the way they're practicing. Leader, analyze. said they've done it earlier. Starting a small firm. What it means to be fulfilled. Make it easy to work with your clients. New approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making that leap, making that leap. It's time for another episode of New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Adriana Linares, and my guest is my favorite IT guy and possibly yours too. Adam Alexander is back to give us a couple of updates on Windows. We're going to talk about Windows a little bit, but don't be turned off Mac users. We're going to make sure you get um, get some tips here as well. So before I let Adam introduce himself, I want to remind everybody that uh, Adam was on the show back in May of 2022. So it's been a long time since I've had Adam back. We did a Microsoft 365 special, your questions, expert answers. And I think that show is still 100% relevant today. Don't you think, Adam? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, we were just mentioning, um, I think you just got a call and I I just got a call from people that are still listening to it and and reaching out. Yep. So that's great. So go back and listen to that one if you're still trying to figure out um, some Microsoft 365 things. And also there's another episode in the lineup about OneDrive and SharePoint that I did specifically addressing a lot of the questions that I get about that. So hi, Adam. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a while. I've been looking forward to it. So, you know, it's gonna be a, I think it's going to be a good time. Well, great. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what services you offer. I send a a lot of attorneys your way from anywhere in the country that they might be. So give everybody a little bit heads up before we start talking about Copilot, text messaging, Windows, security issues. We've got a bunch of topics we're going to cover, but tell us about yourself first. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, my company is Internetwork IT. We started back in 2011 and we started with legal because that's kind of where I came from before I started the company. We do medical and anyone really, construction or anyone else at this point too, but we specialize in Microsoft products. Like you're you're mentioning 365, I've done a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, Microsoft 365 migrations for people. And we also have branched out to security. And of course, being in IT, we, our mainstay is just a day-to-day IT for other companies. Um, but we've also branched out to more security-based products as well. Well, that's great. And one of the things that I think you specialize in, which I want to make sure people know about, is divorcing GoDaddy from 365. So if you've been a listener of this show for X number of time, you hear me say constantly that if you have GoDaddy attached to your Microsoft 365 account, eventually you're going to start running into issues, not performance issues, but GoDaddy ends up becoming a middleman and creating connection problems for you. So let's say you're using a practice management program and you need to connect that practice management program to your Outlook or to your OneDrive. When GoDaddy's in the middle, it starts to become problematic. So if you need help with that, please reach out to Adam. I send Adam a lot of those cases, and I say he's my divorce specialist for GoDaddy and Microsoft 365. Okay, what I really wanted to talk about today, because I think it's become very confusing because it's come on so quick, I want to start with Microsoft Copilots. And I say it plural because there are many of them, and Microsoft is going to keep calling them co-pilots. I think it's kind of become, going to become a term like extensions and apps. So now there's co-pilots, and at least through Microsoft's terminology, they are 
as you all know, I like to call them robots. They are robots that do things for you. But specifically, let's cover the co-pilots that Microsoft has unleashed in the in the last quarter of 2023, which is what we're in, which is Windows Copilot, Copilot for Edge, and then Copilot for Microsoft 365. Adam, can you break those down for us? And then I will talk about my experiences with all of them. Right. So Copilot for Windows is some people might already have it. You may have seen it pop up in your taskbar next to the search area. Um, you click on that and it brings up their Copilot AI where you can type in, for instance, I as a little demo for myself, I typed in, you know, create a BAA business agreement for me for these two companies. And it starts typing it all out for you. And then you can copy and paste it and things like that. So that's built into Windows. Now, Copilot for Edge is built into the Edge browser, and it does the same thing. Bizarrely, sometimes a little bit different results than the Windows one, which I, th I thought that was pretty interesting. And I've actually had more success with the Edge version, to be honest with you. And then there's the Copilot for Office 365, which should be pretty interesting, I think, in the sense that it's going to be your own personal contained AI in your Microsoft 365 account. And I think that's going to be interesting as far as security, because it will only search inside of your Microsoft products and the admin can also limit or expand what it can search to where it can search just your OneDrive or he can give you access to search everyone's OneDrive to create documents and create vernacular in your emails to write emails in your wording. So it should be pretty interesting, I think. Now, everybody, don't get excited about that last Copilot. Copilot for <laughs> Office 365 is just a bummer right now because for some reason, you and I, the solos, the smalls of the world, can't have it. Right now, Microsoft Copilot for 365 has to be bought with a minimum of 300 seats. 300 seats, you guys. So we can't have it yet. I have a feeling, I hope that they'll somehow change their mind about that. But it is something to hope for and get excited about in the future because it does become um, an AI that's inside of your own data repository. But we can't have it right now. So we have to use some other tools and services, which we'll talk about. So we're going to push that one aside. And if you are with a firm that is 300 or more and they decided to pay the $30 a month for all of those seats, you are one lucky dog because I hear it's pretty cool. But I haven't even, other than just seeing some demos on YouTube, I can't use it because I don't have 300 seats. Well, to your point, it's $30 per seat, correct? Yeah. So it's not even a free no. AI that you can use for your company. So, I mean, you know, there are definitely other options, but it, security wise, if you look at it from yes. a security standpoint, it's a really cool product. That's the, I think that's the reason big companies are going to pay for it. If it's going to stay within your data container and access your own data. And, I mean, that sounds pretty amazing. So I think companies that see the value in that are going to pay for it. And then eventually over time, they're just going to end up firing everybody because the AI is going to do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you become, and it kind of already is happening a little bit. You become a um, document reviewer. Yeah. So for all that, let's talk about the AI that you can actually use. And I'm just going to backtrack a little bit to what Adam described for us a moment ago. 
Microsoft Copilot for Windows is going to get installed at some point on an update on your Windows machine. Couple of things to note. You have to have Windows Pro. So I got the Copilot for Windows about two weeks ago when I did an update. It does appear in your taskbar. So you really have to process this. There's a Windows Copilot, an Edge Copilot, and then the Microsoft 365 Copilot that none of us can have. Most of us can't have. So back to this point about the Windows Copilot. Sorry, Mac users, you don't get this part, but wait till we get to the Edge conversation because then you can have it. Um, the Windows Copilot, personally, I have not found it very useful. It actually just sort of does the same sort of searches and results that ChatGPT would do or Google Bard. So you're going to see it. It's going to appear in your taskbar in the bottom left-hand corner, right next to the search bar, the way Adam described. And you, you do have to have Windows Pro. I went out to LA a couple of weeks ago and loaded up my computer over there, which I have a gaming machine that I keep over there that helps me render videos and also do other work at the time. I did not realize it was a home installation of Windows. And I kept updating and kept waiting for Copilot to show up and it didn't. Finally, I went and looked and sure it was Windows Home. So I paid the $99 through the Windows Store to upgrade to Windows Pro and boom, it appeared right away. Is it in 10, Windows 10 or is it only Windows 11, Adam? It looks like it's going to be coming to 10. It might not be out just yet, but along with that, it may also be coming out to Home as well. So okay. it's one of those things where it says, maybe coming to, so we can right. expect it to eventually get there, but just maybe some time. Okay. Well, that's good. All right. So having said that though, in a minute, when we get done finished talking about Edge, I want to talk about why you should still upgrade no matter what to Windows Pro. All right. So uh, Windows Copilot opens up, just you click on it and it opens up on the right-hand side of your screen and you can ask it basic question, not basic, I should just say, you can hit the web, you can have it create like you asked it to do, text, contracts, does some pretty cool things. You can upload an image and have it search for the image. I think so far, the real value that I have found, and I think this is what you were alluding to when you said you've had better results with Copilot in Edge, is the Edge Copilot for me has been the best. So in this case, everybody, whether you're a Windows user or here you come Mac users, if you have Edge and use Edge and log into your Office 365 account, you're going to have a little co-pilot icon in the top right-hand corner. And it also opens up a panel on the right-hand side, kind of like the way Windows Copilot does inside your Windows screen. In this case, it's going to open it inside of Edge. Look, if you are a hardcore Chrome user, get over yourself. Use more than one browser. If you're a Safari user on the Mac, just download and install Edge, especially if you're an Office 365 user, because a couple of the things that you can do inside of Edge are pretty amazing with Copilot. Adam, you were just mentioning that your experience with the Copilot in Edge was better. It was actually really interesting because I did two tests. One, so I did this in both the Windows version and Edge version. So I had to create a business agreement one time in Windows, the Windows version, it did it. The other times, it, like three other times, it said, oh, I can't do that because that's a complex thing to do and I need a bunch of information. And it's a whole legal thing, so I can't do that right now. Edge did it every time. So that was interesting. The other thing I had to do was I, I put a picture into the Windows version and Edge version, and I just said, analyze picture. I actually think the Windows version didn't come back with anything. I, th I think it said it couldn't analyze a picture. The Edge version gave like a whole story about no what the picture was. So yeah. 
it, it's really the the one thing that's interesting to me is that when you open both versions, it's the same window that opens, but they're doing something different somehow, yeah. which is a which is interesting to me. It's a little bit confusing, everyone, at this time. But let me tell you a couple of things that you can do with the Edge version that I think is really interesting. If you have a PDF open inside of Edge, so again, most of you get frustrated when your PDFs open inside the browser. You want to detach that. So you probably have your computer set up so that PDFs will open in Acrobat or whatever your PDF manipulation tool is. Fine. But sometimes you will want to do this, which is right-click on that PDF, tell it to open in Edge. Because if it's inside Edge, now your Edge Copilot can run analysis and run tasks on that PDF. By the way, everything I'm about to describe, it will also do with any web page. So let's say you are doing research in Westlaw, Lexis, Fastcase, and I know they all have their own AI tools, or maybe you're in Google Scholar, or maybe you've downloaded an opinion and you just want to have it summarized. If it's inside Edge, the Edge Copilot does a really good job of working in anything it had working on anything it has inside that window. So I strongly suggest you give it a try. And an example that I did just real quick is I gave a presentation on this for San Diego last week, and I opened up a, a motion to dismiss a federal complaint from inside Edge. Now remember, you've got to have it inside Edge, Windows or Mac. And I said, this document contains a table of contents from a motion to dismiss in federal court. From it, please create a bulleted list of counter arguments. And it freaking did. So I encourage you to try some of these things. I'm not going to tell you to write your legal documents in there. I'm going to tell you to get inspired, to let it help you, to let it act like a calculator when you're doing financial work and help you with some of the administrative tasks that you might run on certain documents. And I think that's an important distinction to make is the calculator. Right. It, it's pulling from templates online. If you say, hey, build this document for me. Hey, create kind of arguments. It's seeing what the document has and then pulling from templates or things that it can find basically on the web in, in a sense. So it's not really, it, it can get down to, let's say 80%, right? So you can't just have it write a document and say, here, client, here's a document. You need to really be sure to review and make sure it's actually accurate to the point yeah. that you need, need it to be. Right. Couple more things that Edge Copilot will do, which I thought was pretty awesome. A lot of you like to handwrite notes, but then you want that handwritten note converted to text. I uploaded, an attorney sent me a nice note, a good old fashioned postcard, sent me a note. And his handwriting is attorney handwriting, but I uploaded it and I said, please convert this image to text. And it did almost flawlessly. So of course, please set your expectations right. If you have really, really bad handwriting, it might not do a good job, but I encourage you to do that. The good thing about being inside Edge and being logged into your Microsoft 365 account is you'll notice at the bottom of the Copilot window inside Edge, it says your personal and company data are protected in this chat. So I think you can feel pretty secure about using it for certain things, but you might want, of course, please, as the attorneys in the room, go read the terms of service to be sure of that. But it does say it pretty plain and out loud inside the Edge browser. The last thing I will use as an example that I did with it is, as you all know, or might know, I 
I'm very close to an attorney who sits next to me all day long. And he had a really interesting test for me to run. He had a five-page property history. So there was a, a lease holding he was doing on a ground lease, I think. And it had the dates of all the parties that had you know, held interest in this property. I, before I put it in there, because I just wanted to be sure, changed all the names to um, Flintstone and Jetson names. But then I opened it inside Edge as a PDF and I asked it to, I said something like, the attached document or the document in the window is a lease holding agreement since 1972. Please create a history of the ownership and the percentage of each party that owned it. And because he had already done it manually, ran through it, looked at it and said, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It did in 10 seconds what took me an hour and a half. So everybody, if you haven't jumped on this bandwagon yet, I encourage you to try these tools, play with them, see what they can do. I think you'll be really surprised at the results sometimes. Before we go on though, let's take a quick break, listen to some messages from some sponsors. Research shows that a firm's billing options directly impact a client's decision to hire. I've asked Joshua Lennon, my friend and Cleo's lawyer in residence, to come in and talk to us about this. Hi, Joshua. Hey, Adriana. Thanks for having me. You're right. 70% of clients are telling us that they want the option to pay via a payment plan. And while hourly rates remain the most common fee structure offered by 97% of law firms, our survey data is telling us that most consumers, 67%, want the option to pay for legal services via flat fees. However... That same data is telling us that only 37% of law firms actually offer flat fees on any legal matter. Firms that offer flat fees can gain a ton of business. To learn more about the billing preferences of today's legal clients, download Clio's Legal Trends for Solo Law Firms for free at clio.com forward slash solo. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com forward slash solo. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. 65% of Alps legal malpractice insurance policyholders are solos after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash first flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight. You'll find them. First flight program subject to eligibility requirements. All right, welcome back. We're talking all kinds of stuff for Windows and Mac users about the latest and greatest in Microsoft 365. I'm here with Adam Alexander. So another cool update that came in Windows recently is the snipping tool, which hopefully everybody's familiar with the snipping tool. Sorry, Mac users. The snipping tool came with two new features in a recent update, which is also convert handwriting to text. It's built right into snipping tool now. You'll see it along the toolbar along the top and or depending on which one you want. It also has redaction built right into it. So you could actually take a screenshot of maybe a deposition from the web or whatever, a deposition transcript and redact it right then and there and then copy and paste the snippet into something. For the Mac users though, I will say this, a lot of the things that I just mentioned you can do with preview. So you're not left in the dark. You just don't have the snipping tool. And you know what? I should mention and remind everybody for the Mac users out there in the world that in July of this year, we did the all Mac edition with Brett Burney and Jeff Richardson. So if you are a Mac user and didn't 
catch this, that episode, go back and listen to it. Adam, anything else you have found in Windows that we want to mention that has come up in an update lately as far as new tools or AI lately? Actually, we were going to talk about the Windows Pro versus Home thing, which can be a pretty important aspect outside of Copilot that we've already mentioned, but also for some security features too. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. So, right, a few minutes ago you said, well, it sounds like Copilot might be coming to home. And then I said, but I still need you attorneys to have Pro. So, Adam, can you remind everybody kind of the reasons that we would want to make sure we're running Windows Pro as legal professionals and not the home version? One of the biggest reasons to run Pro in Windows, and this could be 10, 11, is BitLocker. And BitLocker is, I don't want to say a basic, it's, it's almost like a necessity of, of a security feature, which unfortunately it's not with home. And it, I, in my opinion, it really should be. But it's, I agree. It, it, yeah, right? It encrypts your hard drive. So if someone takes out your hard drive, it, they can't read any of the data. So it's actually a really important feature to have. This is very important, attorneys. Remember that all 50 states have breach notification laws and triggers. And if your device is lost or stolen and there is access to the personally identifiable information of residents of your state or residents of the states in which you do legal work, it could trigger a breach act. So please make sure that you are using BitLocker. That is the encryption service built into Windows Pro not home, and I agree with you, Adam, they should have it for home. And uh, Mac users, that service is called File Vault on your Mac. Adam, I have had in the past attorneys who say, my IT guy says encrypting my hard drive will slow it down. Is that true? No, no. There's an initial encryption that it runs, kind of, kind of like if you uh, install an antivirus, it does like an initial scan sort of thing. After that, it's just doing little tiny encryptions as you save files and things like that. But once it's done, it's done. You won't even know it's there. Awesome. Okay, so we covered Windows uh, Pro versus Home. And then I wanted to ask you too about just giving us a security update. I have a lot of attorneys that are using and happy with Windows Security Center, but then they will also add on a Norton or a McAfee or malware bytes. What's your opinion on paying for and having those third-party services? Again, back, these are mostly Windows machines that use these services. Surprisingly, Windows Defender has actually come a long way. It's been really interesting to see that because Windows Defender for years and years since the beginning has been kind of a, a joke as an antivirus as far as IT goes. But now they have added the AI aspect. Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder, actually, I haven't looked it up, but I wonder if that's part of a co-pilot system. Mm -hmm. But they've added an AI aspect to it where instead of, and this goes along along with any antivirus, there are this, the standard antivirus where it, it scans during lunchtime, it scans at night and all that kind of stuff. Those are the ones that you want to get away from now. The ones you want to go to are things that have, like Windows Defender, that have an AI aspect to it. Because what it normally does is it'll do one scan when it gets installed. And then, of course, Windows Defender gets installed with Windows, so you're already done. And then from there, it just watches what the computer is doing. So it doesn't have to run a lunchtime scan. If it, if you, you're you not going to miss a nighttime scan because your computer is off. It's just constantly watching what the computer is doing and what the software is doing that you download and install and things like that. And if it sees something malicious, it immediately acts on it and locks down the computer or, or locks down that program. Um, and they're they're far, far, far more efficient than the old um, ways of doing antivirus. I'm so glad you said that because I run the tech help desk for the Florida bar. And 
I just can't tell you how many times an attorney is having a problem and it's freaking Norton. And it's the web thing that it does, the safe, safe surfing or something. And I, you know, like you believe you cannot have too much security. So I will say to them, listen, you can't have too much security, but I might encourage you to uninstall it, stop paying for it and count on Windows Security Center. Now it's called the Windows Security Center. It has virus and threat protection. It runs your firewall and your network protection. It's got app and browser control. I'm looking at mine. You know, the thing is, and maybe you can help us understand this, Adam, antivirus programs and Windows security are really addressing our hard drive issues. But services like Office 365 are, and if you have your email through Office 365, through um, Exchange and Outlook, that's a whole different world of security and action being taken on our digital data. So can you help us understand the difference between a local antivirus, anti-malware, anti-spyware, and then what Windows is, or what Microsoft is doing for us, or Google Workspace, if you're a Google Workspace user, and your data is mostly digital. Yeah, well, sure. I guess it's all digital, but I mean, not on your hard drive, in the web. <laughs> right, yeah, good point. On the web. Yeah, so actually, if you think about the local antivirus versus email, let's call it email antivirus. The local antivirus, like Windows Defender and things like that, are actually, I kind of, you know, Windows Defender is the way Microsoft does things. They combine the names of multiple products and it becomes confusing. So let's just say the local antivirus on your computer. If you download an email and it has an attachment, let's say you don't have a proper email antivirus scanner, that attachment may have a virus and it's gotten through your email system. So it's sitting there, but it's not really doing anything yet. But when you download that attachment and you run it, it could be like a fake PDF or, or a fake Excel. Uh, when you open it, it starts installing a virus onto the computer. That's where the local antivirus comes into play. Now, something like Microsoft 365, so this is where I was going to say it gets, gets confusing because they used to have a name for it called Advanced Threat Protection, and now they changed the name to Microsoft 365 Defender. So just to make things more confusing the way Microsoft <laughs> always the does. <laughs> yeah, they gave it the same name. So that is actually, and I recommend this to anyone that has a Microsoft 365 account. And we do it on all of our all of our clients and all the migrations that I do for your clients. Add the Microsoft 365 Defender for email. And it, it's actually email and OneDrive. It covers the entire account. And what it does is, so let's say you have an email come in. It will scan for known phishing attempts uh, right off the bat. It, it detects, Microsoft has one of the biggest phishing databases in the world right now. So it, it has a better nice. detection for phishing, um, phishing emails. It will actually scan and open the document before it gets to you to test if it has a virus in it. But it also will scan and open um, URL links, like the little blue links you get in email. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it's called Safe Links, and actually, what you do is when you click on it, it will open in a virtual environment and make sure it's a safe website, and then go to the website. So it's a really, really comprehensive antivirus, you know, anti-threat protection suite. Um, and so this is, you know, I'm talking about emails, but this goes through OneDrive, it goes through Teams chats, it, it protects you from every level of Microsoft. And so it's a really, really important tool. And when that came out, when it, even when it was called Advanced Threat Protection years ago, the amount of people contacting us saying that they got a virus, it just dropped off the mat. Because 90, 95% of viruses come in emails now. 
And so if you can knock that out from the beginning before it gets to your computer, you're you're ready to go. And then on top of that, you've got your antivirus on the computer where something still slips through, or if you're going to a website that's outside of your email, you know, you, then you have your local antivirus. Can you see the excitement in my face? <laughs> yeah. Were you wondering why I was making these faces? <laughs> a little bit. Listeners, as Adam was talking about this, I decided to go into my office.com account and go to admin, which as a side note, I'm going to take the opportunity to say this. Attorneys, you need to have admin access to your own firm's Microsoft 365 account. If you log into your Microsoft 365 account online and you cannot go to admin and look at security, you need to figure that out. Adam, can you explain really quickly what I'm talking about? And then also explain that sometimes an IT company will make an admin account, but you should have access to that. Yeah, for sure. And actually you can go straight to it. If you go to admin.microsoft.com, it'll take you straight to the oh, admin great. portal. Yeah, so it's unless, just a shortcut. Unless you have freaking GoDaddy. <laughs> yeah, GoDaddy, GoDaddy is a whole separate topic that's outside of any discussion we're having. Correct. If you type in admin.microsoft.com and you get a GoDaddy login window, you have got to call Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get but, you off of that. But anyway, okay, so I would go to admin.microsoft.com. Yeah, so, okay, so you're asking, you know, some, some IT companies will, they'll, they'll do the Microsoft 365 account. They'll have an admin account, but they won't have an admin account for anyone else. Which is a good practice. You don't want the receptionist to have an admin account. You you want to limit the admin account. So maybe just the one attorney at the at the um, law firm has it, or someone who does does the invoicing and billing because then they can get in and change the credit card number if they have to. But it is important because you can you can log on. You can see all the users that are there. You can see your license count. You know, a lot of times what happens is as an IT company is removing users that have moved on, they don't remove mm -hmm. the license. So now you've got 25 licenses that you've purchased and you're using 20. So you're paying for five licenses for nothing. Now, ultimately the IT company should be doing that as they remove users, but sometimes it happens. But you can also go in and you can go into, sometimes it's called marketplace, sometimes it's just called purchase services. It, depending, it just depends on which version of the portal you have. But you can go in there and you can start searching products and you can look up you know, 365 Defender, and you'll see it pop up in there and things like that. So you can see the price. And honestly, it's it's so worth it because it's only $2 per user. So that that's what I was so excited about. When you said this, which I, I have a Microsoft 365 account, of course, I'm one user, which I know a lot of my listeners are too, but I use Google Workspace for my email. It doesn't matter. But here I am. So I went into admin.microsoft.com. Dot com, yeah. Dot com. I, I always go to office.com. And then I went into admin and then I clicked on security. And the first thing I see is this thing that says, welcome to Microsoft Defender. Respond to threats and manage security across your identities, data, device, app, and infrastructure. So most of you attorneys who have just a couple of users, you want to go do this. I didn't realize it was extra. I'm going to turn it on though. Um, then it says, protect your employees, start free trial. And you're saying it's just a couple bucks a month anyway? Yeah, $2 per mailbox. All right, wonderful. And then down here, also on my, um, and by the way, the URL for this is once you click on security inside of admin, it's security.microsoft.com. So I'm assuming you could go straight there and log yeah. right into your security portal. So on this dashboard here, it gives me a Microsoft secure score. Very poor Adriana Linares at LaTeX Partners. I'm going to work on 
update, making this a little bit better. 39%. Ooh, girl. <laughs> Ooh, I am going to fix that as soon as we're done with this recording. I don't use it for email though, but I know most of you out there do. So pay attention to this. Then it has, it says, did you know businesses are spending half a million dollars per breach? And I think that's what I really want to remind everybody of, that if you have a security breach, it can be very, very expensive for your firm. So it's really important that you get into office.com, go look at your security settings. So for those of you who are very concerned about security, and you all should be, I strongly encourage you to do some research. If you get stuck, you can always call Adam. But there's a whole security center in here that has a lot of features which are going to be confusing for the average user, but some of them are pretty easy for us to figure out. Any other security tips or suggestions you want to mention while we're talking about that? It's such an important subject. Yes. So actually, so um, like Adriana was mentioning, you know, breaches are, you could be a small law firm, a small company, and it's going to cost you half a million dollars and it just ramps up. And so there are proper external backups that you can do, like offsite backups of your entire 365 account. That's email, OneDrive, everything, Teams, everything. So look into that. And there, there are ones for Dropbox and Box and, and have backups of your computers too. Because one thing people don't think about too is you get, you know, some people have servers. Oh, all of our information is on, on a server or all of our information is in Clio. Okay, well, then the attorney gets ransomware and he's got a bunch of stuff in his my documents. Well, you didn't have that backed up. So, you know, there is still a good, you know, argument to backing up the, the actual computers too, along with your your OneDrive and Dropbox because what happens is you you get a ransomware on your computer and then it encrypts your entire OneDrive if you have it set to download to your computer now your whole OneDrive is encrypted so it can still reach out just be aware of that I think that's an important well I just I wanted to make a distinction there because I think this is also confusing for people you said it can encrypt the documents that are in your OneDrive that are on your hard drive so is it fair to say that a virus cannot jump from your hard drive into the cloud? Correct. And okay, so, so can you explain that real quick to us? Because OneDrive users and Dropbox users and Box users and everything else users, we probably all have what is called selective sync, which we're saying, okay, I'll use OneDrive as an example. I got half a terabyte of data out on OneDrive, but my hard drive is only 125 gigs. So there's no way my hard drive could actually contain the half a gig of data that I've got in the cloud. So we do what's called selective sync. We say, okay, well, to my local hard drive, in case my internet goes down or I'm on an airplane, only download and synchronize the folder called client files. So on my hard drive, I only have client files, but out on, on the web, out on um, OneDrive in the cloud, I have all my other files. And so Explain sort of, I mean, I kind of laid laid the groundwork for you, but explain there what I'm talking about and viruses specifically and encryption. Right. Yeah, that's an important distinction. So, and it usually is called selective sync across all platforms. And you can normally right click on a folder. Let's say you're in OneDrive on your computer and you can you right click on a folder and there's usually an option that says like make offline or, or keep files offline. It'll be along mm -hmm. those lines somewhere. So if you select that option, if, if you just click on the one uh, file or if you click on a whole folder, it'll physically download that folder to your computer to sync locally. And so 
it's good for traveling. It's good for things like if you're constantly in a folder, it's good because it won't be slow every time you open up or save a file or, or close out a file and things like that because it won't have to download and upload it every single time you open it. So it can be really efficient as far as just daily work, getting in and out of, of folders and files. The problem is it's doing, let's call it a physical sync just for to make it easier. It's doing a physical sync from your computer to the cloud constantly. So anything that changes with those files on your computer will automatically sync to the cloud repository. So if you get a ransomware, it's going to search your entire hard drive. It's going to go through your whole OneDrive folder, and it can't touch the ones that, that are kept only online. But the ones that you'd say keep offline that are let's say again physically on your hard drive even though it's digital um <laughs> you know it's um it's going to encrypt those because they're actually on your hard drive and then OneDrive is going to say oh all these files changed let me upload all these changes and so it's going to it's going to upload all the encrypted files to your OneDrive in the cloud and now your cloud database is now encrypted not so it's an important all of distinction it, to but make. specifically those files that were on the hard drive only the ones that you say save offline yeah. right okay no, that's really helpful and an important distinction. I have more and more attorneys that are, you know, the internet is so reliable these days or worst case scenario, your internet goes down, you connect to the hotspot on your phone. So I really do have more and more attorneys these days that are trying really, really hard to focus on being very cloud-based. They're really trusting the cloud and and not keeping files on their hard drive. Okay, that's awesome. That's a very helpful tip. Uh, well, really quick, because you're, you're mentioning hotspots and things like that. Please use a VPN. You know, if you're working at a hotel, if you're working at Starbucks, I work at Starbucks all the time. I have a, a VPN set up to my home router directly. You can use online versions like Surfshark, things like that. But if you're working in a coffee shop, if you're working anywhere on a public Wi-Fi, please use a VPN to keep people out of your computer. And honestly, even on a VPN, try not to do anything financial regardless, just to be safe. You know, we're talking about using hotspots and things like that. You know, so there are cell phone scanners, you know, so using a hotspot, someone can still, you know, attach to your cell phone hotspot. So it's just a matter of just being as safe as possible. So that's interesting. I've always thought that the hotspot on your phone, or if you have a broadband card, which is what I tell everybody to get a, a broadband, a hotspot, not from your phone, but, you know, you get through your cell phone provider, you get a, they're like little pucks, but what do you call yeah. them? I always call them a card, but the card makes you think that it's the size of a credit card. It's not, it's like the size of a small cell phone. Right. I always thought those created a VPN for you. I mean, cell, cell signals inherently have encryption involved. I would say using, if you have an option between using an open Wi-Fi network and using a hotspot, your hotspot's going to be a lot better. Yeah. But you know, there are always ways of getting around everything. So mm -hmm. it's the, uh, this, the safest way is using a VPN, especially even more so if it's one that you can control where you have VPN on like your router at work, where it's your VPN, not okay. Surfshark or, you know, NordVPN or anything like that. But yeah, if you can have your own personal VPN, that's the safest way to go about it. Okay. So if that's something that interests you attorneys and it should, then you need to make sure you get that covered, look into that a little bit more. And so one last question for you on that, Adam, because I think I'm a little bit confused about this. My Windows Security Center firewall and network protection is not a VPN? No, that's just your antivirus, basically, your local antivirus, which includes firewall. You know, it, the, the firewall will kind of, Windows has always had a firewall, 
but it's mm-hmm. always been mm-hmm. kind of like a basic firewall. That's why some antiviruses will attach, like you're saying, um, Norton will attach its own firewall and all that kind of stuff. Um, now with Windows Defender, you know they're they're always improving that that stuff with the AI uh, implementation into all that. Firewalls, firewalls are a little tricky because they they can't be so locked down that you can't go to the internet and do what you right. want to do. Especially when you're talking about just a Windows laptop or desktop. And these Microsoft doesn't want to get a bunch of calls saying, "Hey, I can't go to the website I want to go to." Right, you know, right. so it's pretty open. But that's where the antivirus comes in, because then if you download something, then the antivirus can say, hold on a second, that's not right. Before we move on to the next topic, I know we're having a great conversation, but let's stop and listen to a couple messages from some sponsors. It's a common story. You started your practice with a budget website. There were a million things swirling and you needed something. Nine, 12, 18 months later, your practice is generating revenue and you have your legs under you. It may be time to revisit that website. Talk to Practice Made Perfect. Your website can become a profitable tool for attracting clients. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out or market leaders. Practice Made Perfect. Visit pmpmg.com forward slash solo. Law Cleric's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based and also ongoing work via subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. All right, we're back after a quick break. I've got Adam Alexander, my favorite IT guy here, doing a quick update for us on Microsoft 365 and other important topics. Adam, I know we're coming up on time, but I wanted to ask you, you spend a lot of time helping attorneys with security from um, a payment processing perspective, PCI. So can you talk to us about that and the things we need to consider? Yeah. So, and I get these two where you get to actually have one I have to do now for my payment processor. You get the the PCI questionnaire and, and mm-hmm. it, they'll have you do a little scan and all that kind of stuff through their website. And and so let me put this in terms that most of us are going to understand. If you're a law pay user, Every year, LawPay sends you notification. It's time for you to get PCI compliant. You need to click here and run through this security check and, you know, check a couple boxes off, make sure you understand this and that. And by the way, when you don't do that, ask me how I know, LawPay charges you $19.99 a month. They got me for 40 bucks this year for failing to just follow up and click on that link and make sure I understand PCI compliance. So you're right, Adam. A lot of times our service providers help us be PCI compliant, but tell us what else we need to know. I will say with those, I want to say it's those questionnaires. They sometimes give you an option. You know, do you do web sales? Do you have a web sale portal? Do you, and they'll kind of break down what your business is. If you don't do web sales, do not say you do any kind of online sales because your questionnaire will go from 30 questions to like <laughs> 300, over 300 questions. And then you're going to contact your IT guy like, why do they want to know all this stuff? It's because they think you need to secure your website and all this. Your, doing- your store, your e-commerce store, which yeah. most of us do not have in the world of legal. Some of you might if you're selling books or videos or something, but most of us are probably not going to be running e-commerce through our websites. Right, right. It's it's wild how the questionnaire changes if you do e-commerce. But yeah, they'll, they'll normally, so you'll go on there, they'll have a questionnaire. It's usually, thir- let's say, 30 to 50 questions. And then they'll have some scanners that they do. Now this, I will say this is for you processing credit cards. 
and it's usually through the vendor too. The vendor wants to make sure you're secure so that the vendor doesn't have issues on their end that they have to be responsible for. Now, there are other security platforms and things. So I would say, because this is new solo, if you are an attorney looking, some, some things to consider if you're a new attorney coming in and you say, hey, you know, I want to specialize in medical. Be aware that you need to be HIPAA compliant to work with medical facilities. And a lot of times, a lot of times they'll send you a questionnaire and say, right. hey, you need to meet all these regulations. And it may be basically just a full HIPAA report. And you have to do that every year. And you have to be on top of it. If you want to do financial Banking. legal matters, yeah, you need to be PCI compliant yourself. And this is outside of something like law pay. This is like a full PCI compliant setup with full security, full everything, because you're responsible for everything you do for your clients. And right. so if you get if you get breached, you have to report it to your client and then they have to do a breach report saying, hey, yeah, it didn't get through to us. We're OK. And so they want to be sure you're you're OK. And so it's just things to be aware of. Sometimes you may let's say you're not specializing in medical, but you have a medical client. They may just send you a questionnaire saying, hey, can you just meet these regulations? And it may just be like 10 things, 10, 15 things. So it might not be that bad. And I will say it sounds scarier than it is um, when you look at what those requirements are. A lot of times you're meeting them by using a service like Clio has HIPAA compliance level that you can add, add on monthly and they'll turn on some HIPAA compliance standards. I think we had Josh Lennon come on and talk about this on New Solo last year. So if that's something you want to hear about insofar as Clio, please go look for that episode. Of course, as I mentioned, LaPay helps you with their PCI compliance standards. And then if you need something beyond that, might need the help of um, an IT person. But Adam, I would guess that Microsoft has, um, and I'm pretty sure it has, levels of security and compliance in meeting HIPAA standards or financial standards that you can upgrade your Microsoft subscriptions to include? Yeah. And, and okay. to kind of branch off what you're saying is using platforms like Clio, using platforms like Microsoft 365 will wipe out a lot of these, re these re not regulations, the regulations. will meet there. them. The, it'll meet the regulations and, and wipe out these requirements because it'll say, hey, you know, where are you storing your files? Is that HIPAA compliant? What, what security do they have? And you just say, hey, we're using Clio. They're compliant. And you just blast out those, that whole area of the questionnaire. Right. Um, and the uh, Microsoft 365 Defender will take care of a lot of those questions too. And actually, if you've seen recent insurance questionnaires for cybersecurity, they just say right on there, are you using Microsoft ATP? Awesome. And Which just is right what we talked about earlier by going into admin and then going into security and making sure that you're, well, you're going to have it at a basic level, but why not pay the extra bucks to get Microsoft Defender? What were they calling it? Yeah, I think Microsoft 365 Defender. Yeah, and, it and is. And then there are like well, two levels. One level has more reporting that might be right. going towards XDR. what you're saying with HIPAA, HIPAA yeah. where it'll do more of a breakdown I think the XDR component, I haven't seen it called that. And they may have changed the name to XDR, but it goes into a more deep reporting where you can really track what happened with XYZ when it happened. Um, so it does a lot more reporting, which would be into that HIPAA area. But yeah. really just for the, the everyday person, just get the $2 one. Um, that That is the, the whole threat protection. And that's um, per feature. user. Um, yeah. Here's what's so confusing about this, right? It was called Microsoft Defender 
on your Microsoft device. They took that name and put it into this cloud-based service. And now what was Microsoft Defender on our hard drives is now just called Windows Security. So it's confusing, but hopefully we explain it in a way that makes sense. And by the way, back to the Mac users. Everything we talked about inside of office.com, as far as this Microsoft Defender and your email and XDR, that is operating system agnostic. So it doesn't matter if you're a Mac user or a Windows user, everything that's happening through Microsoft 365 insofar as Defender and other security protections that they have for us, doesn't matter if you're a Mac user or a Windows user because you're using the Microsoft 365 services. Phew, I feel like we covered a lot today, Adam. Yeah. And yeah, that, probably ask you to come back again next year so we can cover some of the topics we didn't get to today. And of course, keeping up with all this is just becoming harder than ever. I'm having a hard time keeping up with everything. And I have to say in my 20 something years of doing this, I've never really had to say that because process and progress has been slow. But now, I mean, they are really, because the world is changing, technology is changing, threats are changing, people are getting smarter and meaner. I just feel like all these changes are coming at us faster and faster. I really want to thank you very much again for taking the time to help make us smarter with our devices. Remind everybody where they can find friend or follow you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can always find me at, well, by email, alexander at internetworkit.com. Phone 321-300-6383. And my extension is 101. And then just our website, uh, internetworkit.com. And you can reach us through there too. And don't forget to tell him you're a friend of Adriana's because that's where you get the uh, white glove service. <laughs> that's right. Thanks so much, Adam. We're definitely going to have you back. And thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of New Solo. We'll catch you next year. This is going to be the last episode for 2023. I wish everyone a really wonderful holiday season and a very prosperous 2024. I've been running from nine to five. Been biting my tongue for all this time. Won't let anyone cut me short. I was thinking this was the way to go And you put up your puppet show I say cheers to life Just leave me alone I'm running the show The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.